Are you a parent or someone who loves teaching yoga to kids? Besides teaching them fun yoga poses, would you like to help them learn some age-appropriate lessons from yoga philosophy? In today's episode, we're going to talk to kids yoga expert and author, Devin Sisler, who just released a book called Yamas in Pajamas. We're going to explore ways to get kids and families breathing, doing asana, but also thinking about the ethical and spiritual lessons from yoga. So put on your favorite onesie and make yourself cozy, don't forgetters. It's time to remember what it's like to see the world through the eyes of a child. Hello and welcome to the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast, helping playful yoga teachers absorb yogic wisdom with music, mantra, and mnemonics. Today's guest, Devin Sisler, has been teaching yoga to adults and children since 2005 and acro yoga since 2007. These key pieces of mastery, coupled with her background in theater, art, and circus, collaborate to create an embodied teaching practice for those who want to share kids' yoga and family acro-yoga for others. Devin and I have only been one or two degrees of separation from each other for the last decade. She was leaving New York City in the acro-community there as I was joining it, and so I heard her name a lot. We were both participating in the Wanderlust Festival in Aspen, Colorado in 2016, her as a teacher and me as a photographer. And finally, we both studied with yoga innovator Amy Ippoliti leading up to and during the pandemic. So it was fun to finally have a conversation with her for this episode. I want to apologize for the less than great sound quality of her voice in parts of this episode. I have since switched from Zoom to Squadcast because of this experience. So future episodes are going to sound a lot better. But it's not too bad. I decided long ago not to have kids, and I'm happy with my choice. But I do enjoy being around kids, and I feel happy when I can pass on a little wisdom that helps them out. I was curious how Devin got into teaching kids, and here's what she told me. I'm going to say that story begins um, where I was pursuing a Master in Fine Arts in theater in England, And sadly, halfway through that year, um, the tsunami in Indonesia happened, the tsunami in the Indian Ocean. And one of my roommates got a call from a Buddhist organization that she had worked with in the past. And they said, can you come here and do that like theater play stuff that you do with kids? And she said, we're living in London. Can I do a fundraiser and send you money? And they said, no, money is getting absolutely thrown at this place. You need to come here and help us help the children. So we are not therapists. We are not counselors. um, But we put together a little um, children's theater piece. And we raised the money. Um, United Arab Emirates donated us plane tickets, which we were really excited about until we realized that we had like four layovers between London and Jakarta because you either pay with time or money. (laughs) So... um, so we got there and we were there for six weeks and, and it was a really profound, humbling, heartbreaking experience. At, and at the same time, it was, it was really just heart opening. So we were working with some after school groups 
And we were living in someone's house, but we were kind of living ashram style. And at that time, one of the things that also happened is that one of the Buddhist nuns asked me if I'd like to start meditating with her. And so I did one-on-one and that was my introduction to my meditation practice. And as I'm working with the kids where I don't speak Bahasa Indonesia or Bahasa Aceh, and they don't really speak English and we're still able to play together. And we, we did um, do our performance a number of times. And then we also integrated a bunch of kids into a performance so that they were then part of a show that we put on for International Children's Day. And while I was there, I realized I didn't like living in London. I didn't like my program. And I felt really confused about life because I'm someone who really likes to commit to things and get them done. And then I went home to be with my family in New Jersey. And I realized I was going to drop out of the graduate program. And I really just wanted to do as much yoga and clown work as I possibly could. So clown children's theater kind of world. And um, around that time, I got accepted to my first yoga teacher training at Om Yoga with Cindy Lee and Heather Shaw and Frank Morrow. And that was a massive experience. I thought I was doing yoga before that, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd done a lot of gym yoga where it was really just about putting your body in these different shapes and how flexible you were. And I didn't identify as flexible. So I just didn't think I was very good at it. Um, but there was also a Buddhist component to that, a meditation component to that. That was, that was amazing. And when I graduated, everyone said, Oh, so you, you do children's theater and you're a yoga teacher. Will you start teaching kids and families? And I said, yes. That was really how I started to, to make a living in New York. I took pretty much the two most unstable incomes you can make and put them together, making them less stable. I also worked for the Cirque du Soleil outreach program in the South Bronx, where I got to co-teach social circus skills. So using circus to teach social, social skills. When you do an acrobatic pyramid, you, you need to have trust you need to have communication, you need to have teamwork. And so, um, you know, when you're learning juggling, you have to have focus and concentration. So all these things that I think do overlap and, and inform how we are in the world, but also I feel that they, that's also a way of being in yoga. And um, so those co-teachings where I really got to be mentored by some of these other senior teachers who um, were fantastic teachers, but specifically informed by working with high-risk youth. Adults often have lots of ideas about what's best for kids. But kids have ideas of their own and what's best for kids. And it's the job of the adult to set boundaries to protect kids, but there's also times when we need to listen what kids want. Yoga teaches us to be better listeners and to question our attachments to things being a certain way. The moment we are in often calls for another way. I learned lots of different tools and lots of different um, techniques for really being with kids. And around the time that I was doing my second 200-hour yoga teacher training, um, so that was through the Body Mind Centering Institute, and I got to work with Amy Matthews from The Breathing Project, she brought in Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, who started Body Mind Centering. And I found out that Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, who started this whole kind of arm of yoga, 
grew up in the circus. And so it was really interesting kind of coming together. And I was picking her head and I said, how do I I really work with these kids who keep saying no and they're really difficult? And you would think kids would love to learn how to juggle, but these kids don't want to learn how to juggle and what's going on. And she said, okay, so what were the things that you were, you were saying again? I was like, well, they're, they're always pushing back. They're always saying no. And she said, well, going into it, their attributes, their known qualities are that they're always saying no. So give them games to say no, give them, give them permission. And it's such a meet people where they're at instead of meet people where you think they should be. So, um, that was a huge change in how I was going to teach kids and, and really laid this, again, foundation for, I guess, the philosophy of how I encourage others to teach kids as well is being in authentic listening. All the things that society says are problems with kids. It's like, okay, that's your known. If they want to push and pull, give them a game of tug of war. Make up games where they can really play through a lot of this stuff that are quite possibly developmental patterns that they didn't receive support for. There's nothing really that the kids can do wrong. It's more like how authentic am I in my listening and my communication and how compassionate am I to where they are today? Um, How can I see them? Can you see the real me? Yoga teacher, don't forget it. Sometimes, kids come to yoga with their adults. Adults are more likely to have ideas and opinions about what yoga is. And if that's the case, then it's the yoga teacher's job to help a parent transcend their apparent beliefs. You know, there's also an idea that a family shows up to do a family yoga class. And so we think they're going to be so zen and all sorts of other stuff and they're going to come in the door with whatever they come in the door with. And that's their usual patterns of communication. And that's whatever their expectation of, okay, well, this is going to be a relaxing time. Okay, kids sit still. Okay, sit still. Okay, sit still. And so, you know, how can I really set the expectation for the parents that it's okay for you to be you and it's okay for your kids to be kids. And you know, when families show up for, for family yoga, the thing I see a lot is that the parents are doing it because they know they're supposed to do something good for their kids. Mm-hmm. And if I can get the parents laughing, if I get the parents playing, if everyone in the family gets one mindful breath together, that's, that's the important stuff. That's what I'm showing up for. We happen to do some things that look like yoga postures, that's great. But really laughter and play and, and listening to each other and, and um, maybe a slightly different way of listening to each other. Teaching yoga to kids and families is a skill set that sounds really fun. Teaching others how to teach kids and families adds another layer of complexity. And that's an adjacent skill set. It also sounds fun, (laughs) if you're into that kind of thing. I asked Devin about the journey that led her to offering kids yoga teacher trainings. And this is what she said. 
was at a event in Portland, Oregon at Yoga Union where Sianna Sherman and Sean Korn came together. And I was so excited to get to attend a program with the two of them at the same time that I, I drove the three and a half hours to make it happen from Bend, Oregon. And we got there and there, I think there were a couple hundred people in this audience participating in this first night. And they were asking questions to get to know us. And I, at this point, had been working on writing my manual for a couple of years. I had the idea that it might happen at some point. And so they said, who teaches veterans? Who teaches chair yoga? Who teaches prenatal, postnatal? And in this group of a couple hundred people, when they said, who teaches kids? Only two of us raised our hands. And they, everybody kind of went, yeah, that seems pretty tough. <laughs> I went, what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. So this is a place where I naturally was inclined to be. And that was a moment of going, oh, this, this is a special offering. And around that time, I had started teaching here in Bend at uh, Namaspa Yoga Community. And I mentioned the idea of doing a kids yoga teacher training to the owner, Susie Newcomb. And she said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, well, the manual is not quite done yet. And she said, it'll be done by the time teacher training starts. <laughs> let's put it on the schedule. So she really kind of just give me a little kick in the bum to make it happen. Um, Chris Loebsek is a, my friend and colleague who's in the Delaware Water Gap with Boundless Yoga. And she really consulted me through how to apply to Yoga Alliance to like make this comprehensive, like when you're like, okay, there's all the things you're going to do with a kid's yoga teacher training. How do we distill my life experience in circus and children's theater and yoga into just 95 hours? I share this story of being in a group of hot couple of hundred people in Oregon and only two of us were teaching kids at the time. And so, so many more kids get access to these really incredible tools every year because more people are doing kids yoga teacher trainings. And I can't imagine who I would be if I had had these tools when I was a kid. And so I'm very hopeful about the social emotional awareness, the, the listening to the body and the being able to articulate, this is my body versus these are my feelings. And this is my head, uh, the nonviolent communication that we try to get we try to plant little seeds of and different ways that kids can go, oh, I have a tool where I can calm myself or it's okay to be angry right now. And the eight limbs of yoga are really such a vehicle for, for all that wonderful transformation that's possible so that we each can really meet our own potential, whether we are eight or 18 cool. or uh -huh. 80, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cornerstone of my teacher training is now how do you take care of yourself so you can show up for your kids? How do you get in a place that you, your nervous system is regulated so that you're able to be calm and responsive and non-reactive? And that's, that's number one. It's huge. It's more, it's more than anything else. And the second part of it is how do we plan the class? And then the tippy top, which is, I think what, you know, if we've looked at this like a pyramid, 
The bottom half is how you take care of yourself, making meditation a priority, um, drinking enough water, you know, eating, eating whole foods. How are you aware of yourself? The second half, second, third, I would say is what's your class plan? What do you think you want to do today? And that tippy top, which I really believe people come to kids yoga teacher trainings for is the songs and the games and the book that you're going to read and all the other stuff, but it's the top of the pyramid. It's the tiny part. It's the icing on the cake. Cause if you can be the adult that shows up with calm regulation, listening to them, it's massive in this world today. So once you have a kid's yoga teacher training, the obvious next thing to do is to write a book. How did that come about? So I have the manual that's the accompaniment for the kid's yoga teacher training. And I wanted to make it its own standalone so that anybody, anywhere, you know, this, this book will live on well after I'm gone. And so, you know, people who can find this and go, oh, these are things that we can do. And as I was writing it, I originally thought it was going to be the eight limbs of yoga for kids. And that's quite a big project. And so this January, I got very close. I was kind of feeling a little overwhelmed by the whole idea of the eight limbs of yoga being a single book. And I said, it's too precious. Let's just focus right now on the yamas. Let's get the yamas out in the world. I want this to get into as many hands of as many people who are around children as possible. And, and that felt like the right thing right now. The other part of that is I have figured out in my research for this as, as trying to write a nonfiction book that there are an amazingly wonderful growing number of books about asana and pranayama and mindfulness for children. And we, I think you probably know how many, we couldn't even count how many books there are on the eight limbs, the philosophy of yoga for adults. And I, if someone finds another book on yoga philosophy for kids, please tell me because I want to uh-huh. meet that author. I want to get to know them. But I, I could not find in my research that there's a book on yoga philosophy for kids. I've definitely come up against like, who am I to write this? And then I said, well, I've been doing this in my kids' classes for 15 years. I've been teaching teachers how to do this since 2016, I think. So it's just, it felt like the the next step to say, let's get this out there. And I think a lot of people get surprised, like, oh, you don't have to do asana to do the yamas. You can do yoga while sitting in your pajamas in bed. (laughs) Yamas in pajamas, yamas in pajamas, yamas in pajamas, yeah. You know, I love a good rhyme, a good mnemonic, and yamas in pajamas, can't beat that. (laughs) Um, So I wondered, who is this for? Holds a kid gotta be to learn about the yamas in their pajamas. Well, it's funny. We mentioned that I have kids. So I think there's a few of the exercises that I will do with my two-year-old. And at the same time, I'd say four or five, if you're really new to yoga to, to try out. 
um, some of the exercises in the book. I know a few six-year-olds who've read it. And one of them said, this is the best book on yoga I've ever read in uh-huh. my whole life. And uh-huh. this is going to be my first chapter book. So I'm so beyond flattered. And I said, whatever else happens with reviews, that's the one that I'm going to keep to heart. Devin's book, The Yamas in Pajamas, has six chapters. The first one explaining the eight limbs of yoga from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And the next five chapters are each dedicated to one of the yamas. Each chapter includes reflections, guided meditations, breathing exercises, journal prompts, activities, and mindful movements or body shapes for each yama, so kids and their adults can experientially explore these concepts. One of my favorite parts is the mantras that Devin assigns to each of the yoga poses featured in the chapter. For example, the tree pose mantra is, My roots are deep, my trunk is strong, my branches lift up towards the sun, I can bend with the wind, but I do not break. I was going to say uh, that came about um, trying to figure out a little thing to say at the end. So sometimes we will chant in Sanskrit. A lot of the classes that I've been teaching in the last few years have been for three to six-year-olds or they've been in schools, um, in which case we're doing a little less of the Sanskrit. And so I wanted there to be something where, you know, the asana that we do, the, the shapes that we put our body in, that's important stuff. Um, the breath work can be really useful tools. The mindfulness is really important. But more so than the rest of that is my job as a teacher is to see and authentically be with the kids. So how do I learn their names? How do I make eye contact? How do I give them positive reinforcement? And so ending the class with this little phrase you know, planting the seeds that they just continue to like themselves in this body in this lifetime and that I'm someone who sees them. And that's, it's just more important than absolutely anything else we might think of as being what yoga is. The book is written to give adults lots of ideas for how to teach yoga to kids, from poses to games and exercises. The prompts embody Devin's quest to meet kids where they are at, and therefore they leave a lot of room for experimentation and improvisation. Yes, I would definitely say with kids yoga, it's a lot about improvisation. And this is true for both my kids and my adult classes. There's the class I plan, the class I actually teach, And then the class I'd like to teach next time based on my inspiration of this particular group. What we do in the teacher training is really learn about how do we do class plans? How do we use that class plan? So I think with an adult class, we will pretty reliably get through a linear plan, whereas the kids class, we might write it out on index cards so that you can kind of shuffle around where things are going to happen, when they're going to happen. And there's really, there needs to be a willingness to throwing out the class plan and just being present with what the kids need today. You know, one fantastic example I had of that was a group of seven to 10 year olds that were mostly boys. And when I showed up to teach that day, they were really fascinated about the chakras that were on the wall 
and these different pictures. And they said, oh yeah, two of us collect stones. So this is mentioning stones. Can you tell us about these? And we had this beautiful conversation about what the chakras are and different qualities of each of them. And then we did a few poses. We did some movement for each of them, a little breath work for each of them. And so the class just arose out of what these kids were curious about. And it was so easy. You know, I think a lot of people get really intimidated by the idea of teaching kids. And when you can drop into a headspace of where they are. So that's two parts where I would say, sometimes I go, I don't know, let's figure it out. Um, Cause I don't want to know everything and I don't want them to think I know everything. And, and the other part of it is going, Oh, I do know something about this. I think it's more of a collaboration for, for family yoga and kids yoga. And there's a lot of improvisation. All right. Don't forget us. We've come to my favorite part of the show. If you've been listening for long, you know, the best way to remember is with a song, or at least that's what my inner mama told me long ago. So now we are going to step out of our yamas in pajamas and deal with our samskaras in tiaras. That's right. It's time to talk about the sacred tradition of children all over the world. The sing-along. Everybody, gather together in a circle and bring your prayer hands to your heart. Look across at your friend, gently bow, and then come back up. Relax your arms and get ready to sing the Twinkle Twinkle song with me. You know the one. Are you ready? One, two, three. One that's not in the book. I use a lot, especially with younger kids. I use a lot of nursery rhymes that people usually know or are very happy to be reminded of if they're spending time with children. And so we'll take something that's known and put it with a movement. And with the littlest kids, you know, those two, three, four-year-olds, the first class, they might sing or they might just stare at me. And the second class, they might sing. And by the third or the fourth class, they're usually singing and doing the movement at the same time. We can put twinkle, twinkle, little star with a half sun salutation. So that's reaching up, forward fold, half lift, forward fold, all the way up, back to center. So littlest kids, as soon as they can stand, they can do this. And we sing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. (laughs) Now, don't forget us. Let me tell you a little something about myself. I grew up on heavy metal. Children's music was to be scoffed at. And I would lose all street cred if I was caught singing Twinkle Twinkle non-ironically. But now that I can look back and see my heroes were wearing spandex and hairspray, or they were singing stories from H.P. Lovecraft and other fantasy authors, I now know it was all just part of the Leela, the great play of life. And if all the world's a stage, then we are just merely players, performers and portrayers, each another's audience outside the gilded cage. What a rush. And so, as I prepared this episode, I started to create a little twinkle twinkle background music. But I couldn't stop myself, and so I started to write lyrics for the choreography of a children's sun salutation. 
And before I knew it, I'd turn Twinkle Twinkle into a little tree. <laughs> well, aren't we just all avatars for the same divine source after all? So now I have over three minutes of Twinkle Twinkle. And I'm working on a children's yoga video, which will be featured soon on our YouTube channel. Don't forget yoga. Well, what can I do? Here's another clip. Oh, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. All right, let's do some sun salutations. Reach your arms up to the sky. Gently bring Twinkle down to the earth. Lift up halfway, say hi to your friend. Fold back over, pick up Twinkle again. And lift Twinkle, Twinkle back up to the sky. Prayer hands to your heart, say goodbye. One more. They sing all those songs. They're familiar with them in a family yoga class. The parents go, oh, I do know that one. Um, but now we're adding in some simple movements. And quite honestly, especially in that um, young baby time before, before a baby is mobile, um, for a parent to stand over the child and sing this song and they're starting far away and then they're going close as their head goes towards their toes. The babies usually think it's so funny to, to be far and be close and be far and be close. And, and really every child that I have met under six loves Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Um, another <laughs> one that's really nice is head, shoulders, knees, and toes. So there's a little anatomy lesson with the movement. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Eyes and ears and mouth and nose. Head and shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. <laughs> so we're, we're touching those parts of the body. With the babies, we're touching their shoulders and their heads. Again, it's kind of silly and fun. With slightly older kids, you know, two to six, they're doing the movement, and it's it's really sweet. And for parents who are probably sleep-deprived, quite possibly over-caffeinated and very stressed, you know, to, to sing a few of these songs and move your body is going to be, is going to feel better than not doing any of those things. I had this idea before I was a parent that yoga needed to look like an hour here and an hour there. And, and when you are living with the children <laughs> that you made um, or you're facilitating a classroom, it might be, here's something we can do for two minutes here and we can do it for a few minutes there. And it's a reset. And it's also a way to show children we're moving our bodies we're maybe learning a new thing and we're modeling that we're going to take care of ourselves. That's where we're going to end it today. I would like to give a big thanks to Devin Sisler for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You can find Devin on her website, devinsislerioga.com. And you can remember how to spell her name with this mnemonic. D-even, D-even, D-E-V-E-N, Devin. And then combine sister with toddler, sisler. Sister with toddler, sisler. D even sisler. Devin sisler. Devin sisleryoga.com. 
You got it. You got it. <laughs> and it's there that you can find out about taking a kids yoga teacher training and becoming a certified kids yoga teacher or family acro yoga teacher. How cool is that? The courses are offered in modules, and there's an eight-hour intro to kids' yoga philosophy that you can take on its own, dip your toes, and of course, Yamas with Pajamas. It's available on her website or on Amazon, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it if you're a parent or teacher or anyone who interacts with kids. The six-year-old said it was the best thing she's ever read. Thanks for listening to the Don't Forget Yoga Podcast. Your time and attention is deeply appreciated. Very deeply. If you like the show, please tell your yoga teacher friends about it or leave us a review. If you have a yoga mnemonic to share or anything else you want to talk about, I'd love to hear from you. Leave a voicemail at don'tforgetyoga.com right now during this guitar solo. Our listeners are the best. Until next time, refrain from being someone else's pain or, or disdain. disdain. Keep your third eye on, on the, the game. game. Each line's main. Train your brain until yoga easily remains. In other words, don't forget. No, don't forget. Don't forget it. Mnemonics.